We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A wise man once said, it's been a long time coming, but I know Casual Friday is going to come. Welcome back to the KFS Faithful to another episode of Casual Friday. I am your host today, Mensa. I'm being joined with by my guys, Sean and XJ. It's been a long time, guys. I know we've been rocking out with the Patreon crew, with some of the um, the playback watch parties and everything, but we have not been able to do what we love to do, which is get our takes off for a Casual Friday ex- um, episode. So XJ, my brother, how are the vibes? Man, it's been so long. It's crazy. Uh, but the vibes are good. I mean, the word I would describe to summarize how I'm feeling right now after a long five weeks off, we had to be patient and the vibes are patient. I mean, for me, that's how I'm feeling. I'm not really putting too much credibility into the you know little losing streak or anything like that. For me, it's like, let's wait till Hardenstein's back. Let's wait till Dante's back. Let's wait till OG's back. Hopefully, wait till Randall's back. Hopefully, he comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen it. Like, the way I think about it is this kind of could be a blessing in disguise. I mean, these guys are essentially being forced to to rest and take a long break in the latter half of the season. Um, you know, there are a couple ways this could have gone. Players could have not gotten hurt and they'd be out there playing heavy minutes <laughs> all the way up until the playoffs, or they could have gotten these minor injuries, obviously, besides everyone, besides Julius and be forced to sit and get some rest and come back full strength for when it matters the most. And we've already seen this team at full strength. Um, They're going to be a challenge for everyone, for anyone they play. Would I like a top four seed? Absolutely. Do I think it's necessary to get where we want to go? No, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I would not value limping into the playoffs with a three or four seed over blasting in guns blazing with a five or six seed and a healthy roster. So for me, the vibes are patient. We had to be patient to to come back with you guys for casual Friday. I'm going to continue to be patient with the Knicks. So yeah, I'm just ready to sit back and chill and, and, and wait and see what happens. 
Yeah, I think that's a really level-headed way to look at it. My only pushback is that you said that Julius Randle does not have a minor injury. I would agree with you for anybody other than Julius Randle. The only thing that would be a major injury for Julius Randle would be a French Revolution-style guillotine decapitation. Anything else, I'm sure he can come back from. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Sean, my friend, how are five weeks worth of vibes? Quite frankly, the vibes are... um whatevs the vibes are whatevs and i say that because we have not had more than eight nba players available since the super bowl bye week since before that like when was the last time we had more than eight nba players and i say nba players i mean players who legitimately if they weren't on this team would get rotation minutes like like, listen, I, I, at the KFS watch party, and shout out to everyone who pulled up to the KFS watch party at T-Square Social. Actually, I hope you make it to New York one day. Mensa, I hope you get to see it one day. Like, that place is legitimately amazing. And I was talking to John and at the and then at, before the games, before this is before the Laker game. And he said, you know, so what do you, how, what are you feeling about tonight? And I said, um, to him and Benji, I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to keep this up with seven and a half players. And I say seven and a half because the half a player was Malachi Flynn. Not that he is a half of an NBA player, but when you're playing seven minutes, clearly the head coach is not tr- like how much is the head coach trusting you. So I refuse to make any accusations, judgments, jump to any conclusions or make any type of predictions based on what I have seen for the majority of the month of February, because the team that the the players who played on Wednesday night will half of them will not like two. One of them definitely won't be in a rotation. Shout out to Jacob Toppin. One of them it teetering on being in the rotation. And actually, no, because Charlie Brown played Wednesday night. You're not going to see – the only place you can see Charlie Brown and, and Jacob Toppin is Westchester, and you may see Deuce McBride in the playoffs. But, that, like, what are we going to do? So, to me, the vibes are whatevs. I'm not going to, like – yes, Monday night against, the, the you know, the great Houston robbery was that. But, like, I, I feel confident that if we had nine NBA players, that we – that the game would have not, not have come to that, to that. So, for me, whatevs. Very level-headed, very measured, um, and I kind of agree with you. But just because it's been five weeks, um, I want to address the vibes by month. So the January vibes were through the roof. Oh, my goodness. Two losses in the month of January. The Knicks had, I think, their best month since the, the mid-'90s, on like 94 or 95. So that team that we had, the the OG, the DiVincenzo, Julius Randle, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jalen Brunson, though that starting five, I'm taking that starting five against pretty much anybody this side of Boston and the Clippers. So I'm really happy to see that we got to see like the pinnacle of what these New York Knicks could be. And it was such such a beautiful thing to see the February vibes. um, I want to say they're negligible because it was hard to watch this team struggle the way they struggled. But at the same time, like, I'm just happy that Jalen Brunson made it through without any major injury. Same thing with uh, Dante DiVincenzo. Same thing with OG Ananobi, who just got surgery, but it seems to be a minor surgery. Julius Randle will get well soon. I'm not necessarily worried about him. We haven't had any reports that should make us feel negative about anything. But um, Isaiah Hartenstein, that Achilles, 
tendinopathy thing. I'm a little worried about it because it's an overusage injury. And honestly, until if Hartenstein comes back healthy after the break, I don't think that he's going to be playing less than 38 minutes a night until Mitchell Robinson gets back. So I'm a little worried about that. But as far as the vibes going forward, we will address those later, I'm sure. But right now, the vibes are... I'm still really feeling those January vibes. The February vibes didn't show me too much just because, like you said, Sean, there aren't enough NBA players currently available to the New York Knicks right now. So this losing streak is it's it's beneath us, to be honest. I mean, the wins and losses, they all matter in, in the NBA regular season, but I don't really care about these February, um, these February losses too much. So with that being said, Let's get into our shout outs for the day. I know that we have a lot to talk about going forward. Um, it's been five weeks, so I started with XJ with the vibe. So, Sean, give me your shout out, brother. How are you feeling? Well, for my shout out, it is I'm hoping I picked something that's not off the board because it is a current Nick. Um, I was afraid that someone might pick this player, but I, I, but since I'm going first, I will, I get first crack at it as I keep hitting my desk. Um, my shout out is to Precious Achua. And my shout out is to Precious Achua because after the trade, I mean, listen, some Precious Achua in the OG trade went, was anywhere from, was regarded as anywhere from matching, hashtag matching salary to a throw in to some people thinking he could be our backup five. Um, and I remember talking to the, to, to the Raptors fans and they were like, yo, that dude ain't it. And in the beginning, to, you know, to your point about the January vibes, Mensa, like Precious, those first few games were rough. Um, and, and I remember saying, shout out to my man, um, JFK, Miami Heat fan, who said to me, he said, listen, when the Miami Heat give up on a young player, that should tell you something. And I kept that in mind. And when I saw him playing, I was like, yeah, all right. And and I, I went one step further. And I said, if you're on your third team and you're still in your rookie deal, that's a sign. But I will give what I will give a auxiliary shout out within this shout out to my man Zazu. Zazu hosts the Raptors cookout on Twitter spaces after every game. And he was the one to point out, he said. Well, actually, two shouts. I-95 Bully said, uh, I think in a post game, that like, hey, let's give this guy a chance. But Zazu said, that basically said that uh, the Raptors were using him wrong. I think the one example he gave is that they had him in the high post where, you know, if you're, if you're a center or you're big in the high post, you know, you got to turn, you have to play, make, make pass, whatever. It's like, he should never be there. He should be in a low post or in a dunker spot. And Tim said, guess what? You're going in a dunker spot. So he can do what he does very well. You know, rebound, play some D, play some D. You know, who put the ball on the floor a little bit, whatever. And he has been a as much of a savior as you can have for a team that's lost four games in a row and lost five or six. Uh, he like, and the funny thing is, like the, the Raptors fans, they called him CTE hoops. That's what they referred to him as. I'm not making this up. And <laughs> he's clearly. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. That's crazy. Oh, listen. <laughs> look up, go on, go on, go on the bird app and type in CTE hoops. Like that's what they refer to him as. And I see people on, on the time. Like, like I follow a number of Raptors fans. They're like, I can't believe CTE hoops is pulling this off. I'm like, yo, that's disrespectful, right? So shout out to him, man. He's doing a job. When we get when we get iHeart back. 
he's probably going to be our backup five, um, which is kind of tough because it did look like a layup line. I, that's what Benji, I think it was Benji. I think it was Benji said that on during the Houston game when he was at the five. So his ideal position is a backup four, but he's probably going to have to play some five until Mitchell Robinson comes back. But hey, the dude who was a throw-in, who was matching salary, has been has been absolutely huge for us. So shout out to you, Precious. A great shout out. A great shout out because he was getting some really nasty nicknames there for a little while. Um, happy to see that he um, brought it all the way around. And yeah, I mean, Precious has been huge for us. A lot of big rebound games, 16 rebound games, I think twice as a New York Knicks since he, um, since everybody's been hurt. It hasn't really amounted to much just because our record without the starters hasn't been great, but he's been playing well and he's earning himself a contract. This is a contract year for him. Um, and I do want to just put a little caveats in with uh, the two trades in, in on a rookie deal thing for them. He was traded for Kyle Lowry, which was seen as a big acquisition for the Miami Heat. And then he got traded for Emmanuel Quick. He was a throw-in, of course, but he got traded for Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett, which is another big move for the New York Knicks, um, for the uh, Toronto Raptors. So there's a lot there. But um, I'm happy to see that he's, you know getting a chance, you know, not necessarily a Bronx native, but grew up in the Bronx, born in Nigeria. So happy, very, very happy for Precious. XJ, you have anything you want to add? Yeah, just real quick. I mean, I agree with both of you guys overall. I think the the thing about Precious is like clearly Tibbs told him like, yo, go get me the ball. Like, <laughs> like, I don't care what you do. Like when you see the ball go up, go retrieve that, like go get it. Like that's what, and that's what he's doing. Like a monster. He's just like, I think it, I forget what it was. Eight offensive rebound games, back to back game. Like that's, that's crazy stuff. And it's like, if you simplify to that level and you're just like, bro, just go get me the ball. Like, and he's able to do that. And I think that that's been incredible because not anyone can just do that. My only concern about Precious is just like, like Sean said, Benji did mention about um, Precious being kind of like a layup line at the five. And I'm also concerned about him playing the four because you all know I'm always worried about spacing. I'm always, I always think it's important to have, you know, guys on the floor who can space the court out, uh, especially when you got a guy like Jalen Brunson who's trying to get to the rim all day or at least close to the rim. So I'm a little worried about his position. I think you know, it's funny because back in the day, you know, we used to talk about like these tweeners, like, oh, this guy's a tweener. He's six, six, eight. He's not really a four. He's not really a five. What position is he? And then that became like a strength. It's like, actually, he can play both and he can play defense and he can switch and he can play guards and he can play bigs. Like we want these like, quote unquote, tweeners. And I still think there's a lot of merit to that. But I also think the biggest aspect is you also have to shoot in order to confer a lot of that value. And, you know, a precious, I don't believe is going to turn into that level of shooter, at least like not anytime soon. So that's my only concern about his kind of utility to the team moving forward. But I still think it's great that he's gotten all the minutes that he's gotten and he's able to kind of get into a rhythm, understand his best value to the team uh, in terms of winning the possession battle. Um, and he's been instrumental. So I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Shout out. Yeah, uh, again, just Precious has made himself millions of dollars with these uh, with this opportunity because he could have gone the other way. Um, and I'm really happy for him because this is a young man who, you know, his NBA career is just starting. Got a real good chance under a good coach with a superstar and Jalen Brunson next to him to elevate his game. So it's been it's been he's been able to be Precious, and we're seeing that that is an NBA basketball player. So I think that's great. Um, XJ, how about you? What's your first shout? What's your shout out? I'm sorry. 
Well, it's funny that you had that Freudian slip because I actually have two shout outs. One is a quick shout out. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. it. It worked out. One is a quick shout out. And shout out number one is to you, Mensa, because correct me if I'm wrong. I might be misremembering this. It's been a long time, obviously, but someone made a crazy prediction that the Knicks would lose only two games in the month of January. Was it, was that the actual prediction? Because at the time I was like, yeah, you know, obviously Mensa's always on point with the predictions, but this one, <laughs> this one, come on, man, this one, this one's a little much. And then it had like it literally happened. So big shout out to you, Mensa. That's a crazy prediction. You, we haven't been on here in a, in a long time. Um, we're 15 days into February before we've been able to kind of follow up on that. So I just want to make sure that didn't go without, without being said big, big time prediction by you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my second shout out is going to go to someone else who is not on the New York Knicks roster. Uh, it's going to go to Quentin Grimes. Quinn Grimes, big shout out to Quinn Grimes. Um, he did a lot for this team when he was here. I was sad to see him go. You know, I, I do like the trade for the short term. I don't love it for the long term because I think Grimes is going to be a really impact impactful player at some point in the long run. Um, you know, he was a great defensive player while he was here. Everybody knows that. I do feel like he somehow didn't get the credit for how good he actually was. Um, 99th percentile on matchup difficulty last year per B-ball index. Also, 92nd percentile matchup difficulty this year per B-Ball Index. Still was 80th percentile or better in EPM both years. Elite isolation defender, elite ball screen navigator. And we all know he could shoot 38% from three for his career. Um, And I think most of us would agree he was really just scratching the surface on his shooting. Um, 40% on catch and shoot threes last year. 41% on catch and shoot threes his, his rookie season. And just on a personal note, I personally appreciate players who aren't necessarily like super aggressive by nature, who don't like just proactively assert themselves in the game. And, and I think a lot of us can get frustrated with players like that because we're like, yo, like, I mean, we see DiVincenzo and certain to the starting lineup. He's having no trouble getting shots off, even playing next to Julius and and Jalen. But I do think it takes a certain type of coaching and a certain like leadership style to get the best out of players who may not just like assert themselves naturally. Um, But when you do get the best out of those players, you can really unlock something special. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to get that in Detroit because I I don't think he's necessarily going to going to get that there. But I think if he does, he still has a chance to be a super impactful player in the league. So, yeah, I just want to give a a shout out to the departing Quentin Grimes. That's a great, great shout out. Um, Quentin Grimes, one of my favorite players. Um, I would have rather trade a first round pick than trade Quentin Grimes. We don't know if that was available, if that was on the table. So I'm happy to have Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks here. But really quickly, Sean, what are your thoughts on the New York Knicks trade deadline? I mean, the trade deadline, um, to your point, I was. I would have loved to have kept Quentin Grimes. Um, I just don't think it was tenable. Um, to XJ's point, like Quentin Grimes is not like the super aggressive ad girl, give me the ball, get out of my get out of my way. And coaching does matter. Um, and 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 when I say coaching matters, I mean like recognizing who that player is. Um, at the same time, I feel like you know, he had opportunity and like even like he may not have been the right fit for this team, even though 
on one side of the ball, he was a perfect fit for this team, but he may not have been what we wanted in terms. I think when he came, I, I, for where this team is now, it makes sense. Um, I would have, I would have rather have kept him. Um, but it is what it is. Um, so in terms of the trade deadline, listen, every Knicks, every national, most national pundits gave the Knicks a start, a good grade. I don't necessarily like grading trades after they happen because the trade just happened, but I will grade the process. And I think the process was sound. So listen, shout out to the last man who will ever wear number six for the New York Knickerbockers, uh, Quentin Grimes. Yeah, that's again, Really, really unhappy that we lost Quentin Grimes, but that does lead me into my personal shout out who is going to be to Leon Rose, because what Leon Rose has been able to do at the trade deadline and just over his overall tenure, this is a team that under Leon Rose has been at worst um, for a full season, 37 loss, 37 wins and 45 losses. We are going to be better than that this year, guaranteed. And the New York Knicks just keep pushing forward. And it's it's hard to draft guys, develop guys, and get them to a place where you can trade them out for OG Ananobi and Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, three really valuable players in this league, and not need to use any draft cap, any significant draft capital, I should say, because we traded the Detroit pick, which was a good pick, but it wasn't ours. And we traded um, a 2028 and 2029 second round pick to Detroit. We still have all of our first round picks going forward, and we still have some second round picks. So this team has... In my opinion, this this roster right now, this starting five is the best starting five we have had since the 1990s. And all that credit goes to Leon Rose because everybody on this team right now, pretty much except for, I want to say, Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson were handpicked by one Leon Rose. And this is a team that people are confident will make to, there's well, varying amounts of confidence, of course, but there's confidence that this team can make an Eastern Conference Finals. That is something that needs to be applauded because there are a group of people, myself included, who would have preferred to see the Knicks go a different route in terms of the rebuild. I would have preferred the Knicks to draft and develop in a way that the Oklahoma City Thunder have done. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma City had some luck and and I'm not going to we don't need to rehash what tanking actually is. But as far as like drafting and developing, I was somebody who was convinced that Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett were going to be our wings for a decade. Not the case anymore. Now we have OG Ananobi and Dante DiVincenzo, who are, I think, unequivocally better basketball players today than um, than Grimes and Barrett and inarguably better fits next to one Jalen Brunson, who is a superstar basketball player. Jalen Brunson acquired by Leon Rose who changed our Jalen Brunson changed our trajectory as a franchise. He put us in a place where you just got to give, you just got to build, you build with Jalen Brunson in mind, you build around Brunson and you're a conference finalist. It's possible that can happen for the New York Knicks. And it could have happened for the New York Knicks last year as well. If it weren't for the Miami heat. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, But the Knicks are in such good position going forward. (laughs) And a lot of that is because of one Leon Rose and I just want to give him all of his flowers right now because I don't know how you give anybody other than Leon Rose executive of the year because this was a team that I mean what 18 months ago this was a team that was 
out of the playoffs. And now we're talking about, hey, can one or two things break our way and we end up not only in a conference finals, but in an NBA finals. And that's just, that is not something that we as Knicks fans, if we're going to be honest, that is not something we as Knicks fans can take for granted. We have watched so much poor basketball over the recent years and to finally be at a place where we are not only respectable, but approaching like inner circle title contention, that's not something we can take for granted. So Leon Rose deserves all of his flowers. So does Tom Thibodeau. But Leon Rose is the architect of this thing. And I want to give him his shout out. So, um, yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about Leon Rose, but XJ, do you have any um, comments one way or the other about Leon? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit all the important notes and you really said it super well. Um, I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about like, do we want to go over like some of our early preseason predictions about, um, you know, what would happen during the next season? And, you know, we talked about stuff like, you know, coach of the year, six man of the year, some awards like that. None of us said anything about executive of the year, but that was the obvious one. This guy's executive of the year. Like, I don't, like you said, Mensa, I don't really see another candidate that's really contending with him at this point. Like maybe I really don't see another candidate. Honestly, I think it's Leon Rose and I think he's done such an amazing job and I, and I'm giving him so much credit because just like you Mensa, they've gone in a different direction than I would have gone, but they're making it work to the maximum. And Okay, I I don't know that they anyone predicted Dante DiVincenzo would be this good because DiVincenzo and it's funny because I talked about this preseason. I said, you know, before the season, I said uh, it really feels like they're shaping up things to be DiVincenzo being the replacement for Emmanuel quickly. And if that's the case, that's a big drop off. DiVincenzo has been better than Emmanuel quickly this year, which is, I would never have imagined saying that in my entire life. I don't think he's going to be a better player long-term, but he has been better this year. And the fact that they've been able to hit like that on Jalen Brunson, DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, Isaiah Hartenstein, Isaiah Hartenstein is, 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 if he didn't get injured and missed a bunch of games, we have two guys who are serious DPOY candidates in Isaiah Hartenstein and OG Ananobi. Like, and then we have one who's not even playing right now and Mitchell Robinson. Like, it's crazy. They've hit on so much so consistently. So I think you just said it really perfectly, man. So yeah, he's, he's got to get the, he's got to get his flowers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
yeah, just to go over his resume since the summertime, DiVincenzo for less than the mid-level exception, OG Ananobi for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, and a Detroit second round pick. And at the deadline, Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks for Quinton Grimes, Evan Fournier, um, Malachi Flynn, and two second round picks. So this guy has added, um, last I checked, and I'm not too sure if this is still the case, but 90th percentile offensive EPM in Dante DiVincenzo. And if you look at dunks and threes and you go up and down that list, find any player who operates out, basically strictly out of the catch and shoot like Dante DiVincenzo. For him to have his EPM with the game that he plays, it's very rare. Um, OG Ananobi, who was like sub 80th, defensive EPM before he got to the Knicks and then just turned into like Lawrence Taylor. It's crazy what this guy has become since he's been a New York Knick. Um, just the way he's added and put team, put, put productive, impactful basketball players on this roster that weren't here. What it's what here, what six months ago, it's unbelievable what this New York Knicks team looks like now. And I just think you have to, you just have to look at it and just be honest. Like this team is just excellent. It's excellent. There are very few holes. If anything, um, we had an issue with depth. We don't have that depth issue anymore. We don't have the top. And it's funny because the one thing about Jalen Brunson that I do want to say, and I know this is like a tangent here, but Jalen Brunson is like, what you think is a goalpost, what, what, what it ends up being with Jalen Brunson is just a first down because it was just, oh, Jalen Brunson is not going to be worth this contract. Now he's worth this contract. We're going to move that goalpost. Oh, Jalen Brunson is not a, is not a star player. Jalen Brunson becomes a star player. First down. We're going to move the goalpost again. Got to get another 10 yards. Jalen Brunson can't be an all-star. Jalen Brunson becomes an all-star. Jalen Brunson is not a superstar. Jalen Brunson in wins added is a top eight basketball player right now. Oh, well, he's not a top five guy. Let's see what Jalen... Keep moving, please. Please keep moving the goalpost on Jalen Brunson because every single time it's third and four, Jalen Brunson continues to convert those first downs. So, and, and that again is just a testament to what Leon Rhodes has been able to do because this is one of, this was a guy that Leon Rose found and said, hey, we got the best analytics to Department in basketball. We have the most expensive. We spend more money on analytics than anybody else. We can see a guy like Jalen Brunson and say, hey, you don't think he's valuable, but we know he's valuable. A guy like Dante DiVincenzo, you guys don't think he's worth the MLE? Cool. No problem. We're going to sign him and he's going to be um, a contender for most improved player. Like, it's crazy what this guy is doing. And I don't know, man. It's just, you really can't, say, to me, I can't say enough about Leon Rose. Um, Sean, do you have any thoughts about Leon Rose and what he's been able to do in the year of our Lord, 2023 to 2024? Since June 30th, 2022, Leon Rose has acquired Isaiah Hartenstein, Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, OJ Anobi, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Alec Burks. And how many of our first round picks have we traded to acquire those people? I'll give you a hint. It's less than one. Like, enough said, enough said, right? Meanwhile, our friends in Dallas traded a 2030 first round pick swap for Grant Williams, only to tell him to go scratch six months later. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. Leon is executive of the year. I look, I remember spending all of the summer of 2022 
listening to people say Leon Rose has no plan and no direction. Those are the words that were used. He has no plan and no direction. And they said that because he did not build the team in the way that the people that said that wanted to build it. And here we are. Like when I hear people say the word proper rebuild, I don't care about a proper rebuild. I need a rebuild. And guess what? We have rebuilt and we rebuilt with our worst season being 37 and 45. Think about that. Masterclass. And I don't throw that word around very often. Masterclass. Listen, masterclass for Leon Rose. And I mean, speaking of masterclasses, we've seen so many from our good friend Jalen Brunson. But let's talk about the opposite of masterclasses, which would be failures and dunces. So let's get to our next segment. Uh, why so unserious? Sean, who is who are you giving the um, the good old dunce cap to for your last five weeks? Well, since I went first for shout outs, I would I will if, actually if you like to go first for why so unserious, point. I'll give you good the opportunity. Point. I'll give you the opportunity to steal my answer um if you ha- if you have it. So I I yield the floor to XJ. That's like that's so thoughtful, Sean, because I feel like I might be stealing at least part of your answer. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not, but that I is... got a backup, so it's okay. So you can go ahead. <laughs> that's commendable for real. Um And it's appropriate that I'm going to go now because we just gave Leon Rose, uh, you know, in the front office, a ton of credit. Um, So, you know, this is still consistent with that. We just gave all the flowers. But why so unserious has to go to, in my opinion, the entire basketball operations group for the Knicks. And so that includes who we think of as the front office. So Leon Rose, the president, the GM, all of that, and the coaching staff, the training staff, medical staff, everybody involved in basketball operations. So let me explain what I mean by that. Obviously, I just said, Leon Rose, I agree with you both, should be executive of the year. At the same time, if you come with me on this road to Dr. Google, and earlier today I entered, I Googled the exact phrase, common sports injuries due to overuse. (laughs) And when you enter that phrase, the first result is a pretty reliable source called uh, northwesternmedicine.org. And under foot and ankle injuries, the first thing I see, Achilles tendonitis. Achilles tendonitis, which is inflammation of the tendon of the Achilles. And the first stage of tendinopathy, our boy Isaiah Harnstein was uh, out with what? Achilles tendinopathy. So that's the first stage. We don't need to talk about what happens in the next stages. I think we both, we all know what happens in the next stages and we don't want to find out. I know know from firsthand experience what happens, what the next stage of that is. So you ain't got to tell me twice. There you go. Take it it from someone with firsthand experience. I do not want to have firsthand experience in that and I don't want Isaiah Hardenstein to have firsthand experience in that. For hamstring injuries, we also know that they are often a result of overuse, but can happen due to sudden injury. Okay. Our boy Dante DiVincenzo was out with what? A hamstring injury. Very commonly a result of overuse. And what I mean by blaming the basketball operations group is I don't know whose responsibility this is. Like, I don't know who it is, but these guys can't be playing the minutes load that they've been playing. And I know it's popular to be like, oh, you know, we don't know these injuries are due to overuse. And that's fine. We don't know that. 
But I know it's not a best practice to play these guys 40 minutes in full halves of intense basketball in games in February. I know that. I don't know. I know that for sure. Um, and maybe want to blame Tibbs. Like I know John has been saying, you know, you get what you get with Tibbs. You take the good with the bad. I personally think some flexibility would be preferable and reasonable to expect from a coach and one of the leaders of the organization. But, but, but maybe John's right. And everyone knows what they signed up for. And you just take the good with the not so good. I think that's a valid perspective um, because maybe it's like, oh, we want you to be your maximum self. And that doesn't involve you trying to rein yourself in. But guess what? Somebody has to have responsibility to rein him in. Then, if he's not reining himself in, someone needs to rein him in because the organization needs to impose a minutes restriction, something like that. You think Rick Carlisle wanted to play uh, Tyrese Halliburton twenty minutes every game before he was fully healthy, so he could have a chance to qualify for All NBA? Probably he didn't want to do that, but did he have a choice? No, he didn't have a choice. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know who to give the responsibility to. I'm not going to say it's on Tibbs. I'm not going to say it's on the front office. I'm not going to say it's on a training staff. I'm just going to say it's the basketball operations group. Somebody needs to be responsible for keeping these guys safe and healthy. We got bigger fish to fry in the playoffs. And so while I obviously give the front office their flowers, I even give Tibbs his flowers. Tibbs has been amazing for the Knicks organization as a whole. At the same time, this part is condemnable. And, you know, I, I, I want to see better moving forward when these guys start to get healthy. Yeah. Um, I remember watching games early in January and watching Tom Thibodeau give this is before Isaiah Hartenstein had his Achilles tendinopathy. Um, the guy was playing, I think, the, the least amount of minutes he played in like a maybe a week was like 38, 39 minutes. And I'm watching this and I'm like, Tibbs is unhinged right now. This is like, this is prime Tibbs. Tibbs. And it was, it, it felt like, I remember even Benji was um, in one of our, what's, what was it? The, uh, the playback watch parties. He was saying that it felt like Tibbs wasn't really coaching the second unit because he wanted them to get him better players. And it just, and there's no way for us to confirm or deny that though. That's obviously speculation, but just watching the way he was coaching, it was like, I, it was funny how I was going through like the range of emotions because I would watch and I would be, and I'd say, you know, Tibbs needs to stop. But then I would also realize like, but are you, are we really going to expect this guy to play um, Miles McBride and Jericho Sims 24 minutes a night? Like that's crazy. We cannot expect that if he has better options. So I do think that the Knicks were a little slow to operate when it comes to the trade deadline. So I can, I, 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 I agree. I would say that I agree because like the back to me, the basketball operations department, we, and again, we don't know if it's the front office, if it's Tibbs, if it's the medical staff, we don't know. We really can't apply. Um, we really can't assign blame pie to one or the other person. So we can just serve them the entire pie and let them decide who eats what. So um, yeah, Sean, how do you feel about uh, the, the, the front the basketball operations department in regards to our injuries over the month of January and February. Well, I yielded to XJ because I had a feeling that he was going in that direction and he was going to say it more eloquently than I would. And I'm glad I did. Um, so I, I so I remember, and for those who do not know, after the Houston, no, not the Houston game. Um, after the was it the Houston game? Yeah, after the Houston game, John and 
Andrew had a back and forth about the whole minutes thing, about the whole minutes thing and injury. And to like XJ said, you know, would Tim take the good with the bad? And I just have a hard time accepting that. Like, if you know something is bad, stop doing it. Like, if you know, like, if I was at, like, if I was at work, if I, like, at my job, and if I'm a really good at my job, but I have this tendency to uh, say inappropriate things during 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 uh, online Zoom meetings and 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 Teams calls, and but hey, I'm the number one, I'm the best person at my job. So Got to take the good with the bad. No, HR would say, Hey, Sean, can you stop using inappropriate language in Zoom meetings? And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, and I'm not equivocating, so please be clear, I am not equivocating. But it reminds me of the people who defend Draymond Green because they're like, if you, if Dre, you got to let Draymond be Draymond. He's passionate, he's intense. Like, be passionate, intense, and stop slapping people in the groin. Can we do that? Can you be, can you be, there are, Hundreds of players in this league. Who, you know what? Josh Hart is passionate and intense, and he does not give roundhouse right hands, no looks to centers. Like, no, 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 no. Like to me, like, and 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 where I will give Tom Thibodeau grace is that the front office, you hired this man. So if you hired this man, and this man, and I've always said it, is not. I've always said that he doesn't want to win as much as he's afraid to lose. Because when you're afraid to lose, you end up playing your starting lineup for the entire third quarter because you are fearful to lose because fear will do the work of reason. And the front office, they hired this guy. No, Leon Rose hired this guy. So somebody has to say like, all right, if you don't do this, we're not going to do it for you. We will do it for you. But it should not get to it should not get it should not get to this point. So. Actually, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I look at the coach because the coach makes the decisions. But at the same time, these things are organizational decisions. And I'm sorry, if Greg Popovich can implement load management and if Eric Spolster can implement load management and both of them, if all their rings would like I would have no more hands, I would have no more fingers for all the rings that they have, you know, as, as a collective, like. We can make we can make that change. Like I like I can take the good of not so good. I can't take the good of the bad because if you know something is bad. Stop doing it. Yeah, I, I just want to jump in real quick because I want to say uh, Sean said that I would say it more eloquently and then proceeded to say it more eloquently than I did, which I think is ironic. <laughs> but I love it because that's what we do here on Casual. Um, I just want to say Tibbs. Tibbs uh, sent Josh, uh, Josh, Tibbs sent Dante DiVincenzo back in the game after he knew that he had tweaked his hamstring. <laughs> that's all. That's all I want to say on that note. That's 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 that is fear of that is of someone who's afraid to. That's not someone who wants to win. That's someone who's afraid to lose. And I will die on that hill. Like, is no, he's a, like, yes, I know every single coach wants to win every game. I know that is for a fact. That is a fact. And more coaches than not would run re- re- um, the rotation short. But doing that, that, like to me, that's like it's a fear. It's a being afraid to lose. Yeah. Um. So, Tom, so I recently I was in like this development meeting at my job. And one of the things that they said is that a company has a culture 
whether or not leadership sets it, whether or not leadership sets it. So Tom Thibodeau is setting a culture for the New York Knicks, which is we don't want to lose games when the front office's culture should be we want to win a title. Right. So like those are two. They sound similar, but they're very different because one is more short term focus, which is what a coach will do. A coach will focus on the short term. When try to win as many games as possible because these guys, these are guys with egos just like everybody else. And a front office isn't really judged by nobody talks about, oh, what's Daryl Morey's win loss record? We don't say that about Daryl Morey. We ask, how many titles has Daryl Morey brought to his organizations? Right. So that should be the precedent. And if the precedent is to win titles, then maybe you'll forfeit a game, excuse me, in mid January. Maybe you will, you know, not play Isaiah Hartenstein 40 minutes. Maybe you'll see OG Ananobi going from no gear at all to an elbow patch to having a giant wrap around his elbow and be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be playing him so many minutes. It's um, it's unfortunate. And I think that honestly, we're all on the same why so serious. So I'll have to come up with something on the fly. And I, I already have what I'm going to what I'm going to talk about. But. Yeah, it is very unserious when your goals are to win a title, to essentially sacrifice the the main goal for today's goal. And you never want to do that. You never want to. And, I, and I've just known so many people in my life who've been short-sighted in that manner, where it's like, I need to maximize everything today and then burn themselves out long-term. We don't want to burn ourselves out. We don't want to burn our players out. This is the most talent we've had on the roster, and we don't need to prove it in January and February. Let's prove that in April, May, and June. So for me, my why so in serious, um, since we, we really all agree that the front office... No, uh, you're muted. If you want to just pile on, go ahead and don't come up with something <laughs> on the floor. Well, not pile on, but like if you feel if, if this is how you felt, you know, just give your perspective. Like, I, like because my back of my son series was gonna was was gonna be pretty unfair, but I I'm not gonna use it because I feel like this is something like this is this is something we can concentrate on. So, if, like, if you want to give your thoughts on that, like, go right ahead. Like, I don't want you, I don't want anyone to catch a stray. Just to get just, just because you were oh, just because you were oh, last. My why so in serious was not going to go to anybody in the Knicks organization. Um, my why so in serious oh, was going to go was going to go to the uh, the referees in the NBA because wow. But um, honestly, that's all we really need to say at this point is wow. Get it together. So just to jump back on the the front office and basketball operations as far as um as far as it goes with the the injury situation, I, there's this creeping feeling in the back of my mind. Like what if we've already been to, what if we've already seen the height of this basketball team? What if OG Ananobi doesn't come back healthy? What if Julius Randle isn't all right? What if Dante DiVincenzo and Isaiah Hartenstein, what if all of these guys are actually breaking down and and we can't just take for granted that they're going to come back healthy. And that thought it, it, um, it torments me. I'm going to be honest because we've seen that happen with the Thibodeau coach team. What if we are the 2011 Chicago Bulls? If you told Bulls fans in 2011 that that was going to be the peak of it, they would have looked at you like you're nuts. We have the youngest MVP in league history. Joe Kim Noah's 20 what? I think he was 25. Um, they just signed Carlos Boozer. You had an ascending, um, you had an ascending, uh, 
Luol Deng, probably playing some of the best defense of his life, just led the NBA in minutes played. And we just drafted this kid out of Marquette, 30th overall, which we're not sure if he's going to be great, but Jimmy Butler looked pretty good in college. If you told Bulls fans in 2011 that that was going to be it, they would have laughed at you. And honestly, everybody would have laughed at you. At that time, I remember articles coming out like the Bulls have the brightest future in the league. We were talking about maybe Melo might go there one day, and he did consider going there in 2014. They even got Pau Gasol the year after no did they get in the year after I think no they got him I think that same year either 2014 or 2015 but because of health health robbed the Chicago Bulls right and we can't act like that's not a real thing because just like Derrick Rose got hurt because of well I don't know if it was because of overusage or because he was just kind of unhealthy after that but he played a lot of minutes and then he got hurt Jalen Brunson is playing a lot of minutes and he is not a giant guy right um we have Dante DiVincenzo playing tons of minutes. And just like XJ said, he bothers his hamstring. The coach sees it and says, you know what? I need five more minutes from you, Dante. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it really bothers me. OG Ananobi, I think he hasn't played more than, like, what, 60 games in the past four or five seasons, and he gets to the New York Knicks and starts to lead us in minutes? These are things that really, really scare me because I see the potential and I see the talent of all of these guys, if you're looking at it from a dunks and threes EPM perspective, all of them, all of them, and I mean all of them, are 89th or higher on either offensive or defensive EPM as far as we're talking about Julius Randle, Dante DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, and um, Isaiah Hartenstein. All of these guys are top 100 pl- players in the NBA right now, and they're not even – and, like, if, it, if there's anybody who's – the oldest guy is Julius Randle who turns 30 in November. This is a young team. This is a team that has so much potential, and we cannot allow – it to be robbed by wanting to win every single game in the regular season because you're not going to be able to hang a banner that says two seed 2024. That's not a banner that exists, right? Especially when you're not even going to win the Atlantic division because Boston has that tied up. We need to be prioritizing today. We, well, not today. We need to be prioritizing the long term. Nobody's going to want to come to the New York Knicks if we are broken down and beat up. And it's always about, oh, the Knicks might get Superstar X in the offseason. And that's cool and everything. But right now, we have a very, very, very good basketball team. And I need to see them reach their potential. I don't want to feel like I watched the best. But I don't want to feel like my team played its best basketball in January. And until I see them play continued good basketball, until all these guys come back healthy, because and that's something that we're, I feel like we're taking that for granted, man. And I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable taking for granted that Mitch is just going to come back and be all right. Julius is going to come back and be all right after he had such a tough start to the season after the ankle injury. Now he has a dislocated shoulder. I'm not comfortable taking for granted that. Isaiah Hartenstein is going to just be healthy with his with his Achilles, especially after listening to Fred Katz and Macri on the Wednesday pod speak about how like that was a draft concern for Isaiah Hartenstein. They weren't sure he was going to be able to play nine minutes in a row and credit to him. Like Fred said, credit to him that he's able to come back and be healthy and and play and be an Ironman for the New York Knicks up until his Achilles injury. But like we just can't take these things for granted. And as much as it feels good to watch them play, and boy, oh boy, do I enjoy watching these New York Knicks play, and I want to get as much of them on the court as possible, I also want, like, just like the human in me, wants to see these guys really, really accomplish something special, and they won't be able to do that if they're playing 40 minutes in the month of March. So that, that's really all I have to say. I know, um, XJ, you had a follow-up. 
No, I just wanted to say I, I, I'm glad that Sean compelled you to go because that was a, a great take, Mensa. But um, that was a scary image that you just painted. That shit scared the hell out of me. So I, I'm, I'm also sad that you went because now I got to think about that at night. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been bothering me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's you been put bothering that in my me. head, but that's all I wanted to say that that that's not something I want to think about, but definitely a possibility. Sean, I know you had something you wanted to say as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like Daryl Gross tore his, tore his ACL on my 30th birthday. I will never forget it. It was my 30th birthday. And I was watching, I was, I was at a space tournament in, in Midtown. I looked up and I saw him on the, I, I remember looking up and seeing the bulls were up like 20 and I looked down, I looked up again and he's on the floor holding his knee. And I'm like, Oh my God. And to your point, like, listen, you're right. Like we don't know how long this will last. Like, if you had told me, if you had told a Sacramento Kings fan in two thousand and in two thousand and three, guess what? This is it. If you told no, if you told thirteen year old Sean, who thought that we were one, who for one half of one second thought that we were NBA champions, that was the closest we'd come. Like. Um, the one thing I'll say is the quick, the quick thing I'll say is, look, there was a time One, I will be fair. Cause you brought up, um, you know, we judge executives on titles and we judge coaches on wins and losses. And look, Brett Brown was the architect was, was the man hired to run the process as a head coach. He has not gotten a head coaching job since. So I understand why coaches want to win games and they care about tomorrow. And like I said, that's, that's not just Tom Thibodeau. That is Steve Kerr. That is Mark Dagno. That is that is uh, Joe Missoula. That is whoever. Um, and Tom Thibodeau was brought in to establish a baseline level of confidence to teach people how to win games. Because what the New York Knicks needed to do was to win games. We are past the point of just trying to win games. Like the 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 agenda, the assignment has changed, and I need the entire organization to be on the same page of understanding the assignment. Now I'm not going to say it's Tom Thibodeau's fault that uh, Julius Randle dislocated his shoulder. I'm not even going to say that it's Tom Thibodeau's fault that OG Anobi has bone chips in his elbow. I'm not going to say it's his fault that Mitchell Robinson rolled his ankle so bad that he needed to have surgery. However, there is a, bigger this is weird this is no longer 2021 like the we here season came it went it was fun like you build you establish a baseline level of competence you establish a baseline to move forward and we can't be doing the same things we did three years ago because that's what i do because dude we have bigger fish to fry now like we have conference final aspirations Finals aspirations, championship aspiration. And we just cannot say, well, you know what? That's who he is. So we're gonna let him get no. Like we 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 can't we can't we can't have that. Like the status quo, like the stat, like the rules of the game have changed, and we need and as an organization, because I'm not putting this all on Tom Thibodeau, because Leon Rose knew who he was hiring. So I'm putting this on the entire organization, say, like, all right, this is how we're going to do this going forward. And you can get on or lay down, as a wise man from Philadelphia once said.
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, again, it that's it's it really is concerning and I do think it should be it should be on every Knicks fan's mind, not only to I remember before we even like our first episode this season, one of the things that I um that I spoke about was enjoying the regular season and enjoying every single game because you could be in a situation like we are in today where if you really think about it, you don't know for sure that you haven't seen the best basketball on this team. I mean, I don't think we have, but I do think that it's important that we just all like really understand what we have here, especially like as fans, but the organization should really understand what they have. You know, I know it's always been about, Hey, the star trade this and the star trade that, but let's, let's like, let's act like, we are the contender right now and we need to preserve guys because it kind of feels like we're still trying to prove that we are this team that we already are. We don't need to prove anything to anybody. All we got to do is go out there and win playoff basketball games. We're comfortably going to be a top six seed. I mean, it would, like, like XJ said earlier, it would be really nice to be a top four seed to host a playoff series, but I would much rather have all of my guys healthy. I would much rather have my top nine guys healthy than end up in a situation where we are hobbling into the postseason and we have to wonder, can Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo with Precious Achua, Jericho Sims and Josh Hart, can they carry us to a title victory <laughs> over, over, you know, like I don't want, I don't want to think that way. I no. want my guys in the game. So um, really quickly, uh, just to, to wrap up, we won't do a round of predictions, but I do think that something um, the Knicks right now, let me check their record are. Let's figure this out. Yep. Oops. Standings up. Oh, no, that's right. I, I just moved away 32 from the Knicks. But- yes, 33 and 22. Okay, great. Yes. So the number that's been on my mind is 50. Will the Knicks win 50 games this year? Um, Sean, do you want to over or under 49 and a half? Where do you have the Knicks for the rest of the season? <sighs> okay. 33 and 22. That means they played 55 games, which means they are left. They got 27 go left. 17 and 17 and 10, 10, 17 and 10. Um, I'm going to take the under simply because, okay. If I knew, Everyone was coming back at the all after the All Star break. I'd be like, okay, this is a sprint. We can do this, but I don't think we're gonna see. I don't think. I think. I think we're not gonna see OG for at least a week afterwards. I don't think we're gonna see 
uh, Randall for like another two weeks afterwards. So I'm just being being cautious. So I will take a slight under. A slight under. Okay. Um, XJ, where are you at? Over or under? Yeah, it's like it's just like they're right on it. Like I think that's probably around what I expect to see from them. Maybe sixteen and eleven the rest of the season. So I, I probably would also take the slight under, but I think they could easily go you know 17 and 10 18 and 9 so yeah i think i'll take a slight under i think that just being being cautious based on the injury situations and i'm hoping i'm praying that the you know the organization decides let's rest some guys let's rest jalen brunson a couple games as well you know based on the the burden that's been on his shoulder so yeah i'm I'm, all that considered i'm assuming it's going to be a little under Okay, so for me, I know we got to go 17 and 10 to end the the season to get to 50. I think that number matters to this organization. Um, I know it matters to me as a fan. I think they're going to go over. Um, will I be happy that they go over? I'm not quite sure yet, depending on health. But I do think that this all-star break is going to do well for the New York Knicks. And I, I'm confident that they will be at least 50 and 32. It's unfortunate that we're even having this conversation because it's like just the way the health went for this team, because this New York Knicks team should honestly have like 35, 36 wins at this point. But Hey, it is what it is. Uh, we rise with who we rise with and we fall with who we fall with. So ride or die, I'm going with the New York Knicks to get to at least 50 and 32. My preseason prediction was 54 and 28. Not sure if we're going to get there right now, but I did want to just shout out to Robert Cross. I know he's a 53 wins guy. I wanted to be, I wanted to get, I wanted to one up him, you know, 54 wins. I'm not sure if we're going to get that at this point, but I'm just, I'm hoping we get to 50. So that's my prediction for the rest of the season. We're going to get to 50 wins. So for XJ, for Sean, for myself, this is the last casual Friday episode before the all-star break. We will be back with you guys soon. I'm sure. I'm not sure. The Knicks play so many games on Thursday, guys. So I'm not sure we're actually going to be back. I haven't checked the schedule, but we will be back back Um, next Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> yes. But look, it won't be next Thursday, but when you guys have us, I'm sure it'll be a party. Um, just guys, just remember to like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube videos, uh, follow each of us on Twitter, follow the New York, follow our Knicks Film School on all our socials, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter, obviously, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what else? What else is there? Um, please just continue to, to, to pour into us. Um, jump on, jump in with the Patreon. You know, we do a lot of fun uh, playback stuff. There's You get a free episode every week. It's, it's really great stuff what we're doing over here at Knicks Film School. And we wouldn't be able to do it without two things, without the Knicks being good, because it's much easier to talk about basketball when the Knicks are good, and two, without all of you guys. So we say thank you. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying this season as much as we are and just continue to tap in with us, guys. So uh, until next time, I am Mensa. That's XJ. That's Sean. We are the Casual Crew. And thank you for joining us. Thank you.